When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Underdog Nation, welcome in to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Matt Miguez here, your Louisiana writer. I am joined, as always, every week by Mr. Brian Stone, our Georgia Southern writer. Now, I know the last couple of weeks I have been MIA from this podcast. That has been due to um, my involvement in cleanup efforts for Hurricane Ida. Uh, obviously, I continue as well as many others at Underdog Dynasty. We continue to pray for everybody in southeast Louisiana. With dealing with Hurricane Ida and the after effects of it. But Brian, first of all, good evening, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I, I kind of just echo what you said about, you know, the cleanup efforts in Louisiana. So I hope everybody's, you know, doing well down there. Yeah, man, you know, it's crazy. Everybody, you hear people that don't live in Louisiana ask you all the time, you know, why do you live in Louisiana if you're going to deal with hurricanes and you're going to deal with, you know, stuff like that. Man, I mean, everywhere else you go in the country, you're going to deal with a natural disaster. You live on the West Coast, you're going to deal with wildfires and earthquakes. You live up north, you're going to deal with snowstorms. If you live in the Midwest, you're going to deal with tornadoes. I mean, it's a picky poison. Yeah, the, I go- mean, the Gulf Coast is a great place to live. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, like the water down there is awesome compared to like I used to live on the, like the coast of the Atlantic, and it's dirty. Yeah, <laughs> that water is yeah. brown. So at least, at the very least, in the in the Gulf Coast, you get some nice water. I I, I told you this before we started recording. I've got an important update that I need to run by you, get your thoughts on. Yeah, for sure. So whoever's editing this podcast uh if you could just edit in like a little breaking news like special report yeah. uh i have something i want to talk about really fast uh there was a website uh called qualitylogoproducts.com and they typically do products with custom embroidered whatever but for some reason on this day they decided to rank the creepiest mascots wait was cayenne up there let me get let me finish so number one on the list was purdue pete the boy i I get that they said he had soulless eyes 1300 people got got surveyed for this number two cayenne the red hot chili pepper yes cayenne mascot in america man you need to we need to bring cayenne back it is a damn shame that we can't find somebody to put on that ugly ass suit and rock it on Saturday. There's, there's no reason. There's not. You can't tell me that there's not one person in this town of 130,000 that would wear it six Saturdays out of the year. I, I, I actually hadn't really looked at it until I looked at the survey Oof. results. Now. I know he's supposed to be a chili pepper, but what he looks like is the devil had a baby with a tomato. 
Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I mean, that's, what, that's, that's accurate. What he looks like. That's accurate. That's what he looks like, in my opinion. So, if anybody hasn't seen a picture of Cayenne that listens to this podcast, please go look him up and tell me if I'm wrong. Man, we haven't had Cayenne. I want to say 2014 was the last year we had we had a, a Cayenne because I'm looking at pictures and Cayenne never wore an Adidas uniform. And that's when you signed the Adidas deal, right? We signed we signed the Adidas deal in 2015. Mm-hmm. So I think 2014 was the last year that uh, that we had Cayenne, which again is a damn shame. We we I know we had a push from our athletic director last year, year before, to try to get somebody to to be it. But man, like every university should have a mascot, mm-hmm. whether it's a live one or somebody in a suit. Everybody needs one. Mm-hmm. You guys have one at Georgia Southern, don't y'all? Don't y'all have an eagle? We have both a, a mascot and a live bird. And a live, okay. Yeah, you see. Freedom. Oh, Freedom a, flies around the stadium before the game. What a name. Man, I, I got to go catch a game down in Polson. Well, I have I, to. we have, so the, I don't want to get too off the reservation here before we actually start talking about games, but Freedom is a, like a bird that was rescued because its beak was broken. Like, and so... We have multiple birds, so, like, the next one after Freedom passes, I guess, is going to be Glory. So they've all got, oh, like, nice. really, really pro-America names. Yeah, but I'm all for there's that. a reason that they're there, you know what I mean? Right, for sure, for sure. I love that. All right, man, this is this is mind-blowing. We have games to talk about. We've, we've been yeah. doing this podcast again for two months now, and we finally have games to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. let's talk. Let's start talking about them. And and you know, game number one. I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on it. Coastal Carolina absolutely demolishes the Citadel, fifty-two to fourteen. Were you surprised? Mm-hmm. Not in the slightest. Uh, to be totally honest, uh, you know Zeke, who did an admirable job filling in, you know, in your absence, talking about these teams and these games. I mean, we pretty much universally agreed. Like, the the line on this one, I think the final line was 33. Uh, we were like, give it to me. Yeah, I was about to say, me. they covered. Like, yeah, uh, and I was just like, there's no way Jesus. that Coastal doesn't cover this game. So, Grayson McCall completed like 85% of his passes, which is nuts, uh, for... 262 yards and a score. Uh, they had a lot of time uh, where they were just leading and just kind of able to do whatever they wanted. So, yeah. no, I'm not, to answer your question, I'm not surprised in the slightest that this happened. And, you know, Shamari Jones, nine carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and then I'm going to, Reese White, the backup running back, seven carries, 62 yards, two scores as well. Just a ridiculous, uh, ridiculous performance by the Chanticleers. The next game on that night, that Thursday, App State, East Carolina. Man, I'll I'll tell you something. App State worries me more than Coastal Carolina does. See, that's that's surprising because, I mean, outside of one hiccup last year at at the end of the season against Liberty, I mean, Coastal Carolina was like a – well-oiled machine the entire year. Yeah, but they didn't really play anybody. Outside outside of us. They beat BYU. 
Yeah, but BYU wasn't really proven. Who who'd BYU play? Who'd they play? I mean, they played who they could, but also their quarterback was the number two pick in the NFL draft. It's I'll, not I'll like, give you that. I'll give you that. It's not like they they were like, uh, um, you know, a Mac school who was like beating up on other like lower tier G five teams and then rolled in. I mean, they were ranked. Even I yeah, mean, I mean, you I'll, can say what you want about. I'll give you that. I just. I don't know. I mean, and and I don't want to take anything away from Coastal Carolina. They were impressive last year. However, just the way that App State took a a decent East Carolina team, and yeah, I mean the scoreboard shows thirty three to nineteen, but anybody that watched that game knows that it was over long before that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chase Bryce kind of Looked you know good. answered the questions that I had about him. I yeah. mean, I. I, I feel like uh, those questions weren't unjustified either. I oh, mean, God, no. They, I mean, coming I from had, Duke I had very not, similar questions. Coming from Duke and not doing a whole lot, I mean, you, you kind of had to throw those out there just because there was always going to be a chance that – but I will say we don't know what kind of team East Carolina is overall. I mean, the season could play out. They could be a terrible team. Like, we just have no idea. So that that's kind of the problem with week one is like – you know, we were really impressed last year when South Alabama beat Southern Miss in week one, and we thought that that was going to kind of be a turning point for South Alabama. And then turned out Southern Miss just wasn't that good. And, and so, lo, lo and behold, I'm, I'm having the same thoughts about South Alabama after beating Southern Miss yet again. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, it happens. You know, week one is like, it, it's very easy to get really caught up and be like a prisoner of the moment and say, wow, this win was so impressive that, that like, this team's just going to run the table and win it all or, you know, whatever, even conference-wise. So, like, I, I will say they were a very impressive – it was a very impressive performance. Chase Bryce, 20 of 27 for 259, two touchdowns and, and one pick. Uh, they had two guys, Nate Noel and Cameron Peoples, each go over 100 yards rushing. We knew that they were going to have a, a great running game. They had great receivers – uh, Hennigan, Sutton, Virgil, you know, all those guys. We knew that. My only question was, could the quarterback take them to the same level that a, what was it, Taylor Lamb, Zach, Zach Thomas, Thomas, like yep. that type of level, and, yep. and kind of answer those questions. I, I think that they're going to be a real threat in the Sun for sure. Yeah, no no question about it. You know, looking at the looking at the game Saturday, I mean, I'll let you go ahead and open with, Game number one on the ESPN schedule. Can I just say really quick one one last thing about that East Carolina game? That running back that East Carolina has, I think his name's Keaton Mitchell. Yeah. He caught a swing pass in that game, and three guys had an angle on him, and he just outran them. Like, And he was like going down the sideline, and three guys had to angle on him to push him out of bounds and couldn't touch him. So that guy is looks like Chris Johnson 2.0, at least from that highlight that I saw. Yeah, so he, he, I looked, just, he looked freaky. I just I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, so going down the ESPN schedule, you're going to be thrilled to talk about this game. Uh, Texas welcomed in your Raging Cajuns, uh, handed them a 38-18 to 18 loss. Can, I just want to say one thing. In your absence last week, Zeke Palermo, who, who had helped – uh, kind of co-opt this podcast the last couple of weeks. He 
acted like I was out of my mind for saying that you guys had very little chance to win this game, even though, like, I think this was the absolute wrong thing to happen because the games, the times that you guys win games like this is when a team that's bigger than you checks their schedule and goes, ah, who cares? Like, Iowa State going into last year when they played y'all probably looked at the schedule and went, oh, crap, we play LSU week one, and then they went, oh, wait, it's Louisiana. We don't have to practice that hard. Texas this year was not taking you guys lightly by any stretch, and that's not the type of way that you pull an upset against a team that recruits on the level of Texas. Yeah, and, you know, I want to give 110% of credit to to Texas. I mean, Sark had an absolutely phenomenal game plan, uh, executed it perfectly. Bijan Robinson is just a next level freak. Hudson Card was very admirable in his collegiate debut. Uh, you know, completed sixty something percent of his passes, two hundred yards, a couple touchdowns. I mean, he, I think Robinson got named like the national. He was the national player offensive of the player of the week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy. The, the kid had one hundred and eighty total yards of offense and two touchdowns. I mean, he was he was an animal. You know, from from a from a Louisiana standpoint, which is obviously what everybody wants to hear on this podcast. You know, I, I thought I thought our guys went out and competed. Um, I, I didn't I didn't see I didn't think that there was a lack of effort. Um, I, I think there was a lack of game plan. I don't think that our coaching staff did the correct job in preparing our players. And. You know, I, I thought that there was, and obviously I'm not going to name drop anybody, but I thought there was, our, our offense really struggled to uh, to sustain a drive. And whether whether you credit that to Texas or you discredit that to Louisiana, you know, call it however you want. Um, but I, I think the big problem was our defense had an admirable performance. Our, de- our defense played well, in my opinion. But when it came down to it, by the third quarter, I mean, dude, they were absolutely gassed just because the offense gave them no chance at a break. Um, and so I think when that happens against a team like Texas, you're just you're asking to, to lose by three scores. I, I have one quick question for you kind of as we are wrapping up talking about this game. What percentage of this do you put on the fact that you guys lost three of your top running backs to the NFL? None. None. Absolutely like none. Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis, I mean, all those guys, like whatever. Yeah, I mean, I mean those those guys are, are huge pieces to to what we've built here. But but the glorious thing about that is when you have a program that establishes itself as a running offense, you get viable replacements. So yeah, it, it's a huge blow that we lost Regis and Mitchell. Um, in our running back room. But at the same time, we filled those holes with freshmen. And then not to mention, we already had Chris Smith on the team last year. He's our starting back this year. Amani Bailey got touches last year. He was he was our backup Saturday. So, I mean, we have guys that can, that can really dominate the rushing attack. The problem is we didn't use it. I mean, we only ran the ball 29 times. We only ran the ball twenty nine times for two point six yards per carry. Right. Although you can you can take out Levi Lewis's numbers, whatever. But I Dude, mean, those are the final stats. Chris Smith averaged five yards a carry. Please tell me why he only carried the ball eleven times. 
I, I mean, I don't want to relate it back to my team, but I it's mean, it Wesley makes, Kennedy conundrum. Like, why is a guy no who sense. averages why is a guy who averages eight yards a touch not touching the ball more than nine times in a football game? God, our our true freshman running back, his collegiate debut averages four and a half yards a touch, only carries it six times. Do you feel like the coaching staff? I, I mean, I see here, you know, Levi threw the ball forty times. Do you feel like they had any sort of pressure to try to, I, I don't know, like Matt, like air it out, like really expose like Texas or something like that? Like I, you guys didn't throw the ball at that kind of rate last year, right? So I mean, I'm kind of wondering what the what's up with that. I, I think it's a it's a couple of things. I think number one, it's a to keep Texas guessing because obviously Texas expected us to be run heavy. Um, in any opponent that we play this year is going to expect us to be run heavy. So I think it was a, a, a plan to keep Texas guessing, and I'm not against that. Um, and, and I think the other thing is that we have a slew of receivers. I mean, Kyron Lacey, Errol Rogers Jr., um, Jalen Williams. We have a transfer from TCU in the name of John Stevens Jr., Dante Fleming. I mean, I can I can go on and on about about our receiving room. And so I think it's just it, it was just a mixture of both. But it's one of those things where you got to stick with what works. When you're rushing when you're rushing attacks getting 3 4 5 yards a carry. I mean, you got to keep pounding it until they stop you. I mean, don't get me wrong, if you if you yeah. look on paper, Levi Lewis's passing stats were were fair. I mean, he completed 70% of his passes for 282 yards and a touchdown. But as a Cajuns fan who sat there, watched this game, dissected it, and then the next day sat there and watched it again, offensively, I mean, point blank, we weren't good. We weren't. Yeah. I I mean, I remember that Iowa State game, and, like, the reason you guys beat them was because after a point, they were just so scared that you were going to run the ball again that passing was, like, Yep, Se- and you know when, and you know when that to, was, and that, that was point. in the second half. We've always been a second half team, especially under Billy Napier. And so I sat there at halftime. I want to say we were down, I think it was fourteen to three or ten to three, something like that. And I said, you know what, we're a second half team. No, I know what it was. It was it was fourteen to six at halftime. We kicked field goal as time expired to make it fourteen six. I said we're only down a touchdown. I said we're in good hands. We're a second half team. We're gonna find a way to bounce back. And dude, our defense just couldn't catch a break. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think I think it was a comedy of errors, and then at, at the same time, you know, just got to give credit to Texas. They're a they're a much better football team than most people probably expected. Um. And and Zeke and I talked about this last week. I I think I had to remind people that Sarkeesian wasn't fired from USC for being a bad head coach. He was fired for the off the field stuff. Right. Like and his like issues with addiction. It wasn't right. that he couldn't cut it. I mean, he was really good at Washington God, for like he, a number of a, years. He won a tight he won a national title at Alabama. Yeah. Running and, their and offense. Then he go, you know, and then he goes and, and installs that pass heavy offense at Alabama that highlighted all those receivers that got drafted in the first round. So yeah. I mean people people thought that it was like Ah well, you know, Sarkeesian's going to be another Tom Herman or Charlie Strong going into Texas, and it's ah, like, man, no, this guy actually, this guy's closer to like he's going to turn Texas around. He, I mean, he's closer to like what Hugh Freeze is, yep. you know, like where it's like Hugh Freeze probably shouldn't be coaching. I mean, Sarkeesian shouldn't have been 
the offensive well, coordinator for a team. He should have been a head coach. Well, let's be honest. Uh, had Hugh Freeze not charged escorts to his university credit card, who and knows? Call, who knows what on his university sponsored cell phone? Right. Who Who knows? Which, by the way, credit to Ole Miss, they looked phenomenal last night. Who knows where Ole Miss would be? I mean, you get a couple. I, I you get a couple more be, years of Hugh Freeze running the show. They might yeah. be a top ten program. I think they would be what Florida is now. Yeah, top top fifteen yeah. on the outside looking and always, in, always and always feeling in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, credit to Texas for sure. Um, yeah, no, no question about it. <laughs> let's yeah, let's move on to the next game. This is another one we don't have to talk about very long because this one was <laughs> ugly. Uh, Kentucky welcomed UL Monroe, who. Boy, it's going to be an uphill battle for Terry I'll, Bowden. I'll, I'll give them. Company. I'll give them this. I'll give them this. Terry Bowden, Rich Rodriguez, and his son Rhett. If those are your three key pieces in that offense, if you're a UL Monroe fan, and this is coming from a Cajuns fan, if you are a Monroe fan, keep the faith. Give it time you guys are going to be pretty good in the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think people just need to understand like how long it's going to take to how long it takes for a head something. coach to make it his team. Right. Yeah. Well, and, no question and, about it. And coming off of, you know, even this past year doing the recruiting stuff was weird still with COVID. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he may have not, gotten to do as much recruiting as he wanted plus no i mean i'm not saying monroe's gonna be a world beater no but i, but but, I mean like he, he doesn't even have he probably didn't even recruit half the guys that they got to commit like right. coming in because I, I mean when was he hired like i don't remember when he was hired but it was probably after the second signing period which is now like the unofficial signing period because the main one it feels like happens in december now so I don't think he was hired by December, which is essentially when all everybody signs. And then now February or March or whenever it used to be is now kind of like, all right, let's do some cleanup. Here are some guys that, right. you know, need to need to commit somewhere to go play. So I, I, I think he, he and Rich Rod definitely need some time. However, this game was ugly, but it was understandable. We knew, I mean, they didn't want a game last year. So how, how surprised could you really be? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, now, I will say Kentucky's quarterback absolutely shredded them. I mean. Yeah, Lou, Will Levis, is that was, was that his name? Yeah. Where was 367 he? and four touchdowns. Where did he transfer from? Penn State? I think he's a Penn State transfer. Yeah. The Which kids? is crazy because off topic really fast, Sean Clifford is absolutely terrible so it's crazy that he couldn't beat sean clifford out for that job you think so you don't like sean clifford dude i've never been impressed like sean clifford all all, half of those big 10 quarterbacks that get pumped up every year going into game one graham mertz sean clifford all those guys i've never been impressed by any of them see i like graham mertz he was terrible last saturday he and clifford were both terrible against each other last saturday it was like I, I mean, they that waited game, until that the game third quarter bad. to score. They they waited until the third quarter to score any right. points, and that, it wasn't that, that the was defenses bad. were that dominant. It was that these teams can't quit like tripping over their own feet. With that said, uh, Kentucky, I mean, 
just controlled the game, did whatever they wanted. Obviously, they're typically a very run-heavy team, but who knows how much of that is due to the personnel that they've had at quarterback, a.k.a. not having a real quarterback and starting like a converted receiver for a lot of times, like Lynn Bowden. So, uh, But yeah, I mean, UL Monroe, to to be down, to lose by five touchdowns and only throw the ball like 19 times – Yep. It's bad. It's tough. There's a lot of three and outs there yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Next game on the schedule, Army absolutely ripped apart Georgia State. I didn't see this coming. Like, no, God, no. I thought Georgia State would put up a game. I didn't think Georgia now, State would win. Now, I will say Georgia State had three players out with COVID protocol issues, one being receiver Sam Pinckney. However... That does not make up a yeah, one, one, one receiver. Point one receiver doesn't make you lose by five scores, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's a thirty-three point difference. And this is exactly like uh, this is why every time we preview Georgia State or we talk about Georgia State, even in the season, why every time we talk about Quad Brown, I'm a little bit like pump the brakes just yep. a tad because you're always there's going to be a game or two like this in here where you're you know you hype them up or whatever in the preseason and you're like, Hey, this guy could be something. He's going to have a ton of years at Georgia state. And then he comes out and goes 12 of 20 for 129 and a pick. And right. you're just like, Oh, maybe it's going to take longer than I thought. Right. <laughs> to, right. I was, I was like, just about to clearly say, clearly not finished product. I was just about to say we hyped up quad Brown all off season. And now it's just like, a, mm, I mean, maybe it, not. It, it, like, I, I thought he was good for what he was, which, I mean, Georgia State definitely needs playmakers because clearly, I mean, their defense isn't going to be able to stop anybody still probably. You know, it, just judging by the way this game went, they gave up 258 yards rushing. Now, right. that's that's a ton, and Army is a, a triple option team, which is really hard to prepare for, but this was kind of an issue with them last year. So... I think Queen they're gonna they're gonna do exactly what they did last year. They're gonna win one game that you think they absolutely shouldn't, or take a team like a Louisiana or a Coastal or whatever down to the wire in a game where they shouldn't be in it, and then they're gonna lose a game that they have no business losing. And that's just kind of become the MO. I mean, it is. And I, I thought they were gonna win this game and I look like an idiot. Right. Right. You know, again, I am with you. I thought that, that Georgia's Georgia State would put up a uh a fight against Army. I, again, I didn't think Army would lose. I thought Army would be the winner in that game, but uh, I definitely didn't expect a a thirty three point defeat for for the Panthers. You know, Brian. One game that you're going to want to talk about is Georgia Southern and Gardner Webb. So Georgia Southern was the victor, thirty to twenty five. Logan Wright, great game, twenty six carries, one hundred seventy eight yards, and a touchdown. However. It did take a goal line stand for you guys to be the victor. What happened? Uh, I mean, they looked like a team that was starting a backup running back at quarterback. That's that's essentially what happened. I mean, Amari Jones is not a quarterback. He hasn't played quarterback since high school. And you could kind of see the the stats. I wrote this in my recap. If, if you just look at the raw stats, you, you'd go, Wow. That was an explosive offense, except if you watch the game, they would have one drive where they would go down and it would look like automatic. And then they would have another drive where it was like, 
okay, well, we have a backup running back playing quarterback. What we're going to do is throw the ball on first down, incomplete pass. We're going to run the ball at the middle on second down, gain of two. We're going to run the ball around the end on third and eight, and it's going to be fourth and four, and we're going to punt. So it it's kind of deceiving. Like, there's not really a way to put that into words, like, unless you really watched it. But, I mean, offensively, it, even though they scored uh, – here was the other problem. Red zone offense, terrible. I mean, I mean, they could not convert in the red zone. They ended up taking, I think, three or four field goals. So that needs to improve, like – yesterday and i the people that i've heard say like a win is a win I, i'm kind of tired of hearing that to be t- totally honest because they did this last year with campbell and i gave them the benefit of the doubt because they had like 30 players out with covid all right fine whatever uh, i'll let it slide this year they had two impact players out that i'm aware of jd king didn't play quarterback um justin tomlin didn't play and we knew we knew he wasn't going to play However, to do this whole like cloak and dagger thing with the quarterback position and not let anybody know who's playing until the first snap and then to just come out and be like kind of dysfunctional looking to be totally honest right. is is tough to tough to swallow. However, Cam Ransom, the freshman, yeah, I was about to ask you. Does not look like a, a an option style quarterback, but I think it may be time to change the offense for someone of that caliber because dude can sling it. So if you need to convert this team to a traditional spread offense to, to make way for this guy, I, I think you have to do it. I, I don't think you can take a great quarterback who can really throw the ball and be like, well, if you can't run the options time for you to transfer. You heard it here, folks. Georgia Southern needs to change their offense. I mean, I said this at the beginning of the season. If if they're not going to compete for anything, they might as well run one of the freshmen out. And Ransom was the other guy besides Amari Jones that got run out. Now, again, I don't know. Sam Kitterson didn't play, so I don't know if he can run the option. Amari Jones is going to be a running back once Tomlin comes back. Right. So, I don't know, man. If if this team's looking at five or six wins – I think they need to start curbing the offense towards let's get three or four receivers out there in a tight end. Let's run the ball. You know, we can do some creative things running the ball, but also we don't have to be married to this offense if they're if it's going to sacrifice the chance for us to win actual games and and get better with a freshman quarterback who showed some life in game one when yeah. a lot of players on this team did not like the defense did not show any life. <laughs> yeah, no no doubt about it. Cam Ransom, very impressive in week one for Georgia Southern. Another game that I thought was interesting, we don't have to spend too much time on it because I'm sure neither one of us watched it. Baylor and Texas State went down to the wire. Obviously, I saw the highlights. Uh, 29-20 Baylor over Texas State. Let me ask you this quickly. If Brady McBride doesn't throw three picks, does Texas State win that game? Probably. Uh, I mean, Baylor has taken I, – I don't want to discredit the way that Texas State played because they kind of did the same thing to SMU last year in the opener. They kept it close in a game that no one really thought they were going to, but it, it you know eventually spiraled out. Baylor has, as a program, is kind of circling the drain again a little bit. Like, I hate to say it, but Matt Rule had them 
in the what sugar bowl playing Georgia like three years ago. Was it two or three years ago? Right. They're not good anymore. (laughs) I mean, they, they kind of had it figured out with rule and then he leaves to go to the Carolina Panthers and now they're back at kind of square one with that team. So, I mean, yeah, if Brady McBride doesn't throw three picks, the other thing too, man, 50% completion percentage is nasty. Like you can't do that and and win a game against a power five school. Yeah, no question about it. 2040 is not a impressive statistic nowadays. Arkansas State put on a clinic over Central Arkansas, 40 to 21. James Blackman, the Florida State transfer, got the start 16 of 26 for 169 yards. But it was Lane Hatcher who took the stat line 12 of 12 for 150 yards and four touchdowns. Three of them to Corey Rucker, nine catches, 138 yards, and three scores. This is a nasty air raid offense in Jonesboro. Did Lane Hatcher kick somebody's dog or something? <laughs> like, the last two head coaches that he's played under have been like, yeah, you're doing some nice things. Let's go with this other guy who's <laughs> not as efficient. <laughs> right, right. And, and I don't know, like... Let's go with the other he, guy who's eh. Yeah, I mean, he may be, like, bad in practice or something like that. Like, I don't I don't know what the issue is, but this dude should be starting for them. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Blackman, yeah, he went to Florida State, but he was not good at Florida State. So, and you could have chalked that up to the offensive line or whatever, but Hatcher at this point has more pedigree with this team than Blackman does. So, like, I don't really understand why Butch Jones and Blake Anderson have hated this guy so much. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, I would love for Lane Hatcher to be my quarterback. No offense to Levi Lewis, but I would I would love Me for too. Lane, I would love for Lane Hatcher to be my quarterback. But, I would uh, too. I'd love to not be starting a backup running back at quarterback right now. <laughs> I'd take either of these guys. Oh my god! Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Quickly wrapping up these last two games, Troy dismantles Southern of Baton Rouge fifty-five to three, and then the Kane Womack era. Begins in Mobile with a bang. They beat Southern Miss 31-7. to You know, Brian, pretty good week of Sunbelt football. Um, you see only one, two, three, four teams. Four teams out of the, the ten were, uh, were losers. Six and four week one. Not a bad, uh, not a bad place to be. No, I, I just wanted to add something really quick. I had my doubts about... Jake Bentley starting for South Alabama. You know, I thought, I thought Desmond Trotter like probably should be the starting quarterback, but with a new coaching staff, they don't have any attachment to Desmond Trotter. They didn't recruit him. So, but yeah, he had a good game. And I I think the important thing is, can he keep this up for a full season? And that'll be something we'll have to see. All right, let's do this. Let's do week two. We will tell you the game where it's being played and the line. And, Brian, you tell me if you're buying it or not. Friday night. Well, I'm buying this first one. Friday night, (laughs) Kansas, Coastal Carolina, from Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina. Coastal is a 25-and-a-half-point favorite. You buying it? Yes. Uh, Kansas barely got away with beating an FCS team in South Dakota last week, 17-14. 
Yeah. Uh, this team still hasn't recovered from whatever happened with Les Miles, uh, that they mutually parted ways or whatever the situation was. I, I don't even know who their head coach is, to be totally honest with Me you. Me neither. Uh, not that it matters. I mean, it's Kansas football. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think Coastal has – these two teams are, are on complete opposite trajectories. Like, Coastal is close to competing for – like a top 15 spot in the, in the rankings and Kansas is closer to discontinuing their football program than anything else. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. give me, give me the points all day. Uh, I mean, I think coastal averaged close to like 38 points per game last year yeah, something or something like, like that. Something wild. So, I mean, they just scored 52. I know it was an FCS team, but Kansas is basically an FCS team. Speaking of Kansas and FCS teams, Louisiana has a game against Nichols who beat, Kansas just a few short years ago. Um, yep. Cajun Field, 6 o'clock on ESPN3. Obviously, there is no money line due to the fact that the Cajuns are playing an FCS opponent. Who you got? What? What do you mean? Well, <laughs> hey, I mean, it's an honest question. Nichols, uh, Nichols is not bad. Louisiana. <laughs> Hold it's on, a, let me flip a coin. Huh? It's, it's an honest question. It's an honest question. Louisiana. <laughs> All right, Saturday, Saturday at 2.30, Georgia Southern and Florida Atlantic. This one is from FAU Stadium. FAU is a seven-point favorite. Do your Eagles get it done, Brian? I don't know if they win, but I think they cover the spread. Um, I I don't know. I had heard a lot of the narrative uh, since the Gardner-Webb game last week that they were running a vanilla playbook on purpose because it was an FCS team and they ended up barely beating that team. However... I saw FAU play Georgia Southern last year, and that Georgia Southern ran out of backup, which was Tomlin for that game, and they couldn't barely cross the 50-yard line. So I I think it'll be close. I do think FAU will win just because they actually have a real quarterback back there, and they aren't kind of starting like a substitute teacher at quarterback. Right. Uh, but I think it's going to be like a three- or four-point win for the Owls. Like – if we had an actual quarterback back there, I think I, I, I would say we would win. But I I can't trust like this weird mishmash of of guys. So just, if so if Cam Ransom plays, do you win? That's another contingency because they're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole with him. He's not your traditional shy work style player. I mean, he's closer to like a pocket QB than anything else. I mean, he can really throw it, but if you're going to try to make him run an, a, a speed option sweep to the left side, it's probably not going to happen. So if they run an offense that's more conducive to what he's good at, then yeah. But if they start him and try to run, you know, read option and all this crazy stuff, like every play, it's just not going to work. So uh, that's my contingency. But I mean, but starting Amari Jones, no. Nah. I watched him play. He it was like he he looked like a guy that hadn't played quarterback since high school. Right. So, I, I mean, I think FAU wins. South Alabama and Bowling Green. South Alabama, fourteen and a half point favorite. I don't know anything about Bowling Green. To be honest, do you? Well, I'll tell you this: they lost their first game to Tennessee, thirty-eight to six. Yeah, but I mean. That's not surprising. I think I'll take South Alabama in the points. Uh, 
they looked good last week against Southern Miss or Southern Miss. Uh, I don't know that Bowling Green is that different from Southern Miss on a talent perspective. Uh, I thought, you know, Jake Bentley looked good. They've got a couple of receivers that are very talented. Um, Kane Womack, they, they played much improved defense last week. Uh, only allowed seven points. So, yeah, give me the Jaguars. Hey, I'm I'm about it. I love uh, – I, I agree. I think South Alabama is going to take care of business. And, you know, one game I've been looking at for a while now is this App State-Miami game um, down in down in Miami. Miami listed as a nine-point favorite right now. Man, I'm taking App plus nine. This is a tough one for me because I have I have two trains of thought here. Number one is Derek King did not look good in week one. <laughs> no, granted he played Alabama, so he played Alabama. Cut him but some he's, slack, but he's coming off of an injury to end last season. I don't know if he's one hundred percent with his ACL, uh, and but the other train of thought that I have is how pissed off is Miami going to be that they just got molly whopped in game one and see this would if that game last week was even remotely close i think that app would have a chance to pull an upset however i think they're just like we cannot go out and get embarrassed again like miami is like we at least have to show that we can beat this g5 team you know what i mean you don't want to a trap game typically doesn't happen coming off of a loss so I think I'll take Miami. It's a very tentative, like, I'll take Miami, but because, like I said, Derek King did not look himself last week, but I I think it's going to be hard to pull an upset against a team that just got absolutely smacked last week. FIU, Texas, one point in favor of the Panthers. I think I'll take Texas State in this one. I think uh, they played pretty impressively against Baylor, even though, like I said, I don't think Baylor's that great of a football program any longer, but uh, they are a P5 school. And uh, let me, hold on. I need to figure out, I'm looking at this team that Florida Atlantic played. Long Island University is who they played last LIU. week. yeah. Never heard of them. So I will take Texas State just based on the fact that they played an actual football team that I've heard of last week. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'll take the Bobcats as well. You see, this this next game... Saturday night is going to be interesting. Liberty and Troy. Uh, I believe they're playing at, yeah, they're at Troy. Uh, Liberty is a four and a half point favorite on the road. I don't know about you, Brian, I'm taking Troy. I'm taking Liberty. Uh, They were dogs last year. I mean, you saw it in the the bowl game. They beat Coastal Carolina. Thank God. Uh, Malik Willis is is a monster back there. I've... I've already heard like rumblings that he might be a first play himself into a first round draft pick like late in this year's draft, just because this year is so starved on like quarterback talent. I mean, teams need quarterbacks all over and, you know, Sam Howell didn't impress anybody last week. So uh, they're already starting to fade him and Rattler's the only guy who's kind of locked in to be a top pick. So the, the rest of the country's kind of looking at, Malik Willis, Carson Strong, like, are these guys going to come in and, and kind of take the spot of Sam Howell? But I think I like Liberty. I mean, I think they have a better head coach. I think they have a better quarterback uh, overall. Um, they were really good last year, and uh, I don't think they're overlooking anybody this season. So give me Liberty. Memphis, Arkansas State. Memphis is currently a five-point favorite, and this game is being played in Jonesboro. 
I think I'll take Arkansas State. Agreed. Memphis has not really looked like the same team since Mike Norvell moved on. It was kind of the same deal for a little bit and, with Fuente, Fuentes moving on. So, man, if you haven't learned yet, play Lane Hatcher. But they won't. I mean, they'll put him in a time. I don't know what. I don't know if like these contracts for Arkansas State are like signed in blood and they're forced <laughs> to play two quarterbacks. Right. But like, oh I, my God. I don't understand the it, multi-quarterback system and why they're it so committed never to it. works. It never works. Yeah, and it, it worked last week because you played Central Arkansas, but, like, I don't understand how you look at that guy's stat line and go, ah, uh, you know, I'd right. rather play the less efficient yeah, please, passer. Please, please tell me a time where a dual quarterback system worked. Well, that's the other thing is, like, so they run an air raid. Okay, who's the better raw passer? Like Lane take Hatcher. All, exactly. So why not just play him? Right. <laughs> if you're running some kind of crazy because, scheme where because you Blackman, need your quarterback to be because Blackman yeah. came from a program like Florida State, that's why. And that that'll get you in trouble. You can't just like hang your hat on that. Yep. No. One hundred percent. Think about think about all the the programs that have have played guys because you know they were fifth string at Alabama, or mm-hmm. you know whatever. I mean, yeah. it, it nine times out of ten, it doesn't work for you. Yeah. So, I think I like Arkansas State. I mean, I hope they play the right quarterback and make me look good. Right. But if if James Blackman goes out there and completes, you know, fifty five percent of his passes, and Memphis scores thirty one points, and Arkansas State can't play any defense, then I'm going to look dumb. But I hope Lane Hatcher plays, and I, I'm taking the Red Wolves. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Last game of the weekend for the Sun Belt, Georgia State is going to be in Chapel Hill to take on the number 24 UNC Tar Heels, 25 and a half in favor of the Heels. Um, I'm taking that and then some. I really don't like picking the line on this one if I if I was like a betting person. And if betting was legal in Kentucky outside of horse racing, uh, which which we're gonna have to have a conversation about one that one day because that makes I, I'll, I'll never zero be able to, sense. I, I'll never be able to rationalize. I don't. It doesn't make a lick of no sense. sense. It make, it doesn't make a lick of sense. Uh, other than the fact that like the company that owns Churchill Downs, like basically like is probably blocking sports betting from getting legalized. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I'm looking at it. Here's my concern for each side. Let me know if I'm off base. North Carolina. I said on last week's podcast, uh, or or maybe it was with you. I can't remember. I said it on a pre- previous podcast. I was worried about them losing their weapons to the NFL draft. Daz Newsome, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Dynami yep. Brown, all those guys. They made me look like a million bucks because they played like crap against Virginia Tech last Friday. So that's my concern with taking 25 and a half is, is it's just Sam Howell and the dudes. Like right. it's just a bunch of dudes. Okay. My other concern is that Georgia State just got beat by 33 against Army. If they can't defend against Army or score more than 10 points, I don't care how many players you have out with COVID. Like, I, I don't feel good about picking you even sure. plus 25 and a half because you just lost by 33. For sure. I think if you put a gun to my head, I'd have to take North Carolina. I mean, they're a better, better program, better coach, better quarterback. Uh, they're going to be 
mad coming off of that loss to Virginia Tech. Sam Howell's probably going to be mad because he looked like crap in that, in that game. Uh, but I, I wouldn't bet it and feel great about it. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm going to take North Carolina just from, you know, it's it's Sam Howell, and I, I think that they're going to be an angry group after the performance they had against Virginia Tech. And I think anger is going to turn into momentum and good play on the field. Um, that I, I feel the same way about the Cajuns from a Louisiana standpoint. Um, I think they're going to take the anger of not showing up as well as they should have against Texas, and they're going to use that to their advantage against Nichols. So I have a question for you, and I know we talked about this in the preseason preview. Okay. We had some expectations for Georgia State. We weren't through the roof about them. Right. If they get rocked again in week two, Oh, I'm out. I'm out the door. On and on then Georgia we State. and then they play Charlotte week three, and I'm they out like, the door I, on Georgia State. Hypothetically, they lose a close one. They could start the season one and five. Yeah, and we thought that they were going to maybe contenders. not maybe not to that extent, but like we thought they were going to do something. And one and five, man, woof. Yeah, buddy. At- Atlanta is not a good place to be right now. I mean, Georgia State, the Falcons. Even their, I mean, even their conference schedule is is ugly. I mean, there's there's a couple of layups on the schedule. You think Monroe, Texas State, but then you end the season with you know Georgia Southern, Louisiana Coastal, Arkansas State, Troy. Yikes! It's like at this point, and I know that we're back only half, one game in. That back half of the schedule sounds brutal right about now. And I know we were only one game in, but do you feel confident that they're going to win any of? The, I mean. Maybe the Georgia Southern game because we don't know what we're doing. But do you feel confident about any of those games? Those last five? Yeah. Oh God, no. Even even Troy runs a muck on them. Yeah. I mean, so they get a break. Oof. They get a break after this North Carolina game by playing Charlotte. Then they have to go play Auburn the week but is, after. Is Charlotte really a break? Well, I, mean, I said break in like I don't think you saw it. I did air quotes. Oh, air quotes. Break. Okay, I was about to but say. But then I said they have to go play Auburn the week after that. I was about to say, is Charlotte much of a break? <laughs> They're not bad. <laughs> I mean, compared to Army, North Carolina, and Auburn, it is. <laughs> who, did, who, did, who did Charlotte just beat? Duke. Uh, I mean, obviously Duke's not great, but they beat Duke. Yeah, I mean, so, they I mean, beat a P five school, right? So, I mean. Now, that's what I said. So they they they're starting the season. They could start zero and four. Oh I yeah. Mean, the way that they played last week, they could start zero and four, and then maybe one and five, just beating Louisiana Monroe. Oh yeah, it's nasty, bro. And we it's thought that they were going to be somewhat improved, but like I said, you know the schedule's brutal, and they they completely you know messed up week one. So we yeah. don't know what we're getting out of the Panthers this year. Atlanta, Georgia State's going to be interesting. Just uh, hang on to see what's going to happen with that program. Brian, before we go, man, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Yeah, so everybody can find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. You can find me on Twitter at Matt, both M's capitalized. Next week, we will break down the games in week two and preview week three, as well as give you any new pertinent information regarding the Sunbelt Conference, and its conference members. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Underdog Dynasty's Sunbelt Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.